Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilan. This week, I'm going to talk a little more about what we discussed last week. Last week, we talked about Chanda Kuchar, bad loans, dubious lending. I'm now going to go to another bank, IDBI Bank, and tell you the story about why corporate loans go bad and how the story behind it is actually dubious assessments, rampant diversion of funds, which the bankers just completely ignore almost until there's a default, and meaningless guarantees that are taken as security against the loans. Okay, So let me start from the beginning. So when I wrote and did the video blog last week, it had an interesting reaction. Like I told you, we talked about the Chanda Kuchar and by all means, government has to recover. We just wonder why it's all so slow. But I specifically mentioned how the banks involved had taken massive personal guarantees of 11 to 12,000 crores, not just from Venugopal Dhut of Videocon, but also Prashant and Ravi Ruya of the SR Group. And this is not for SR Steel. This is a company called SR Investments. And I have a whole different column and video blog on it for those who want to go back and read details. So there are links here and you know you can click on it. Now, the reaction to this was quite interesting. A former finance secretary, very well-known person, was disturbed enough at reading about it to write to a member of parliament who happens to be on the standing committee of parliament for finance and suggested to him that the committee may want to go into this extraordinary travesty and propose necessary reforms and measures, his words. He even asked him to read the uh, column. As luck would have it, within days of that, I received a set of documents which are put up for discussion before what is called the Willful Defaulters Committee. Now, papers that I got were pertain to IDBI Bank, and there have been similar papers every three months or two months, whenever the Willful Defaulters Committee meets. I'm sure it's the same with every public sector bank. Now, IDBI Bank is special for two reasons. One is that the government is going to privatize it and planning to sell nearly 60% of the shares held by LIC as well as the government of India. It's asked for expressions of interest, it's postponed the date, but it's going to be fully privatized, which means 60% will be in the hands of a private owner who should be interested. And those of you who have invested in the bank will also be interested. Now, what is the background to IDBI Bank? It started life as a development finance institution. It was converted to a bank, unlike ICICI Bank, which did a good conversion. IDBI Bank has been going from one crisis to another. Finally, Life Insurance Corporation was called in to bail it out, not only has extended money, but bought a big equity share. The sum total of money infused into this bank over the years by LIC, as well as the government of India, is mind-boggling. It's 49,000 crore. Remember, these two are government organizations, which means this is public money that has gone to bail out this bank. So we have another video blog on this. Good that it is being privatized. We're all for it. But the new owners would want to know what have been the processes that led to this huge pileup of bad loans that had to be paid by the government. And that is what I'm going to talk about today. So for this video blog, I'm focusing only on one meeting of the Willful Defaulters Committee. This was on 17th October 2022. You can say it's a few months old, but nothing much has happened just into the new year. This 
meeting looked at 54 cases it, and if you ask me the documents they serious questions about processes followed by banks and i'm willing to bet it's the same with all psbs because those are the processes that lead to wide scale misuse of funds now we come to the first problem that's there everywhere 23 of these 52 cases are subjudice and when you when i read the details about the paper it's very clear that these were often delaying tactics some of the defaulters had obtained stay orders from courts in spite of forensic audits having shown widespread diversion of funds and sometimes even fraud but you go to court you get a stay order and you manage to kick the problem forward by years together unless somebody files an appeal now i'm going to show you a list of 11 companies that were discussed in detail here are the names alok industries you would say it's you know already gone through a resolution process 3 years ago i don't know why it's on the list the next is doshian private limited sri lakshmi saraswati spintech win wind power energy keep this in mind tech pro infra projects the number next to it is the amount that idbi bank alone has to recover tech pro infra projects gvr infra projects are newly before the willful defaulters list along with the last one path breaking projects nothing path breaking look at the amount owed the others are shrenojan companies this is into diamonds and jewelry chimas pintex sharp corporation sms paryavaran and i am again not even going to go into details of each one of these because it's not relevant look at the broad highlights you will not be able to go through a 500 page document it's not relevant now the defaults agreed go back to 2013 14 so this is how slow the process is dragging on and on still being discussed in 2022 most companies have already been restructured once what does restructuring alone mean most of the time the bank is waiving off at least penal interest or it is resetting the amount of interest that is being paid so concessions have already been taken by each of these who are now being declared willful defaulters yet forensic audits have been commissioned recently and the findings of the forensic audit are put before the willful defaulters committee most of the time it happens just before filing bankruptcy proceedings and what do they reveal case after case that i'm reading it says massive diversion of funds and outright fraud when are they declared fraudulent not in 2013 14 when they began to default usually the defaults are between 2020 21 and 22 now the documents put before the wdc which is the willful defaulters committee fail to answer most obvious questions that will come to your mind and mine which is why won't the fund use monitored better you give a loan don't you monitor what the bank is doing with it it all passes through the banking system don't you know where it is going why is it that you don't look at it the answer lies in what the late dr k c chakravarti former deputy governor of the reserve bank of india former chairman of bank of baroda used to tell us he was also a trustee on money life foundation until his untimely death he said by the time a bank gets around to declare a company a willful defaulter there's actually nothing to left to recover not even the guarantees collected at the time of disbursing multiple loans and what i am reading over here in the papers put before the committee just establish what he told us so here are some key findings first of all dubious lending and zero accountability is the assessment of the projects correct looks unlikely a poor assessment before sanctioning loans 
lack of monitoring is a story behind every default. I'm going to highlight some examples. So one is Wind Wind Power and Energy Limited. This was before the committee for discussion. It turns out that this is part of the notorious Siva group headed by C. Siva Sankaran. Now, it may be recalled that Siva Industries, same bank along with a consortium, had lent over 5,000 crore or just below 5,000 crore. And do you know the haircut that they took during the resolution? 94%. They settled for just around 300 crores out of this amount. Same group has a private company, Win Wind Power and Energy. Same story. Money is given. It's, you know, massively disbursed here and there by the company. And it defaults. Not able to pay. Again, IDBI Bank is not alone. Several public sector banks, again, story over and over again is the largest bad loans are in public sector banks. So in this case, State Bank of India's exposure was 399 crore, Punjab National Bank 310 crore, Bank of India 75 crore. So this one win-wind power, private limited. After huge defaults and other issues, they finally do an audit and they de declare it a fraud. When? 2020, when it's already too late. Finally, it was liquidated. What do you think they recovered? Just 63 crore in October 2020. How much did IDBI Bank receive? 4.93 crore on a prorata basis. This is how money goes to large corporate defaulters. Large, not the small ones. So diversion of funds, like I said, is the story. It's a constant and what is more remarkable is that a dozen odd lenders, nobody in any of them, because each loan is a consortium, there are a dozen bankers, most of them, the worst ones, most of them is public sector, nobody notices rampant diversion of funds until the company is about to be declared a willful defaulter. Here's another example. Tech Pro Infra Projects. It's into laying oil, water, and gas pipelines. IDBI's exposure, you may say, was small, 79 crore. This is on 25th November 2020. The total borrowings from a bunch of banks is 362 crore. Again, declared a fraud in 20, on 25th May 2022. Who declared it a fraud? Standard Chartered Bank of Baroda and IDBI Bank. This was after forensic audit, as always too late. The forensic audit revealed that crores of rupees had been transferred by this company to subsidiaries and group entities. Well, name three names. Sriram Cement, TechPro Infrastructure, and Putro Park Corporation and GT Park. Now, the recommendation to the uh, defaulters committee is to issue show cause notices. It's a pointless exercise. And I'm going to come to why, because the guarantees from these companies and they had guarantees from each individual promoter are a big joke. Meaningless guarantees is a constant. First of all, the size of the guarantee is an issue. How big can the guarantee be? If the promoter has so much of money, why is he borrowing at all? In every single default, personal guarantees from promoters, some from group entities. Well, before it's time to invoke the guarantee, there's nothing over there. So documents that are put before the defaulters committee, first of all, do not have a detailed discussion on this at all, whether guarantees are backed by any assets, what is the current status, 
do those assets exist? Because there's no point in saying a promoter has given a net worth certificate of say five crores. If there's nothing there by the time you're ready to invoke it. In a few cases, there's mention of share pledge. Now, if the share price goes down, it can the value can go to even zero. So those share pledges also have no value in bankruptcy. Bankers tell me guarantees have been invoked, but even the documents show that no discussion on whether even 2% of it is actually recoverable. I'll give you examples from these documents. Win-win power and energy of the Siva Group, the documents show that IDBI had accepted a pledge of 100,000 shares of Tata Teleservices held by Shiva Industries and Holdings. Wouldn't we want to know which banker signed off on this decision and what happened? Did they get the money? Did they make him sell? Did they invoke the guarantee? In fact, somewhere there, there is a mention that the guarantee was not invoked. Now, TechPro, which I talked about again, four guarantors, which are group companies, and personal guarantees by the promoters. Look at how futile the exercises in all the three cases. TechPro engineers already under liquidation. Citizen communications has been struck off after surface proceedings. And TechPro Infotech is listed as strike off by the Ministry of Corporate Affairs. There's no mention about whether anyone in the bank was responsible for monitoring the loans or who gave the guarantee, whether those guarantor companies are still alive, doing business, loss making. Was there any effort to secure alternative collateral? Nothing, not even a discussion before the committee. Let's go to another company, GVR Projects. It's in the EPC business, even worse. 15 guarantors, individuals, of which 10 are third-party guarantors. Why and how they would accept this is anybody's guess. Eight, the remaining five are promoters. IDBS exposure was 11% or 243 crore out of a total of 2,271 crore. This is a total borrowing from a bunch of banks. The document notes that it is evident that the promoters, directors, guarantors have disposed of or removed the movable fixed assets or removable property given to secure loans without the knowledge of the lender. This is a criminal offense. Are they even talking about it? They finally declare it a fraud, then it goes to CBI and carries on. The bankers are unconcerned. So it's another empty guarantee. The document also claims that IDBI Bank retains the right to proceed against 15 persons who issued personal guarantees and two more firms that I mentioned there, GVR Realties, identical name, GVR Realties, Private Limited. One is a partnership firm, one is a private limited company. What assets do they have? No mention. In fact, I would think it's safe to bet that the only thing that will happen here is legal costs in chasing them and zero recovery. Let's look at another one in the list. Chima Spintex, it's a defaulter in the list, accused again of this criminal offense of removing and disposing fixed assets and immovable property that was secured against the loans. Bank has duly obtained net worth certificates from the promoters who have given personal guarantees, which in this unusual case are listed over there. Now, former IDBI banker tells me this is such a meaningless piece of paper because it's only to create the semblance of meticulous paperwork and justify giving out the loans. Because most of the time, they list assets in the net worth certificate. They don't say whether any of them are pledged, there are near encumbrances, and there is no follow-up to check that these assets, so there are on paper, there is everything that you can't alienate it, you can't pledge it, you can't sell it. 
Is it followed? No. In fact, a lot of times they even manage to remove the personal guarantee. I haven't seen that in these documents, but as you can see so far, it's all irrecoverable. Next, Shenujan company, like I said, has been in the diamond business, has dozens and dozens of group entities and subsidiaries in India and abroad. I don't even know whether the bank made an effort to separate all these. But as usual, after it starts defaulting on the loans, that is a forensic audit. What does it show? Large-scale diversion and misappropriation of fund to group entities and misreporting of records. IDBI declares it a fraud in September 2020. Now, shockingly, Shrenuj was found to have issued corporate guarantees. Believe it or not. So Shrenuj is a borrower. Shrenuj is got loans from a bunch of banks, including IDBI. It again issues corporate guarantees to the tune of 1,209 crores, this figures as of March 2016, to other lenders on behalf of subsidiary and associate companies. Did the bank know this? I mean, how on earth are you issuing these guarantees on behalf of your subsidiaries and associates? So clearly, the process adopted by banks in accepting these guarantees is so flawed to the point of looking fraudulent. In fact, the Shenuj account was subsequently, like I said, declared a fraud account. And the subsidiaries are abroad, they're in the country, they are giving guarantees on behalf of Shenuj. Shenuj is again giving guarantees on their behalf, and the bankers are blissfully unaware. Now let's come to staff accountability. Key question, what were the bankers doing? Very nicely, those documents, in a few cases, will say, with reference to staff accountability, which is the subhead, a bland remark that staff accountability was not discernible. If you go by the English, you would say staff was not accountable as they should be. But what really they mean is there was no malified and the staff was not responsible for not doing their job. How does the fraud happen? How does the neglect happen? anybody's guess, but people responsible, the regulators, the ministry, which is paying those bailout funds, ought to be asking questions. In case of TechPro Infra, the banks claim to be re-examining the issue of staff accountability because it's now been declared a fraud. In Shrenuch, as well as Chimaim, Spintex documents specifically exonerate the staff. Now let's come to the last one, path-breaking projects. It was earlier called Abhijit projects. It's the latest to be included into the list. That means defaults will go on and on, how much ever the government bails out and cleans up, unless a new owner comes and does something else. This is a shocking one. Bank officers sanctioned a loan of 85 crores for these promoters to travel in style in a Bombardier Challenger 605 private aircraft for their use. Not only is the aircraft, first of all, a hugely depreciating asset, so there's lots of documentation on how they're trying to sell it and it's not possible. But the purchase itself was dubious. Instead of purchasing the aircraft directly from Bombardier, this company floats a 100% subsidiary in Hong Kong and routes the purchase transaction to it. Why? Because Bombardier apparently refused to accept buyer's credit of IDBI Bank for the purchase. So Bombardier found IDBI Bank not respectable enough, but 100% subsidiary of this borrower company is fine. Obviously, all this has been disproved. But what about staff accountability? Who allowed this? Why was IDBI funding this aircraft at all? It's anybody's guess. 
And why would IDBI banks accept this logic without investigating it further? And yet, no staff accountability issue discernible. That's what we are told repeatedly. This company had borrowings from 11 lenders, eight of whom declared it a fraud, leading to action by the Central Bureau of Investigation. Like I said, they dump it after 10 years to the CBI. Then the CBI starts an investigation. Is there anything left? They have taken away assets, as we have said repeatedly. They attempt to invoke guarantees. The guarantees are empty and it draws a blank. This company in particular did not even cooperate with the forensic audit. Now, I'm not going to get into details of numbers, other borrowings. There's plenty because it's a fat document of this size. But the extent of exposure and restructuring of each loan shows a clear picture. Indian banks, especially PSBs, have poor processes for monitoring the use of funds. In fact, poor assessment of whether loans are required and the guarantee process is downright dubious. It's time we demand that the banking regulator and the finance ministry fixes this issue. Because remember, the bailout is in lakhs of crores of rupees. The total is over 10 lakh crore of bad loans. And most of these are paid by the exchequer, which means money that is supposed to be for public use, for health, welfare, for the benefit of poor, is going to bail out large corporates. Remember, it's always only large corporates because they go after small borrowers, whether they're individuals or SME companies, whether it's you with a scooter loan or a housing loan, you can't escape. So if you agree with what I'm saying, please spread the word. Let's demand accountability. Let's not be so complacent. Let's remember it's our money and we need our government to work for us. Thank you.